0: Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mix Club page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com.
1: Hi, this is Kate Magic and I'm back with another episode of The Magic Mix, the show where we look at... The link between health, creativity, music, spirituality, all the stuff that I love. My guest this week is my good friend Anna Middleton. Anna is a naturopath from Bristol and um, we just have really interesting long conversations about health and well-being. I wanted to try and capture some of that on the radio. So, Anna's going to be talking about cellular health with us and getting into uh, nutrition and uh, some NLP stuff. It's, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating conversation. Anna, thank you so much for joining me today through the magic of Zoom
0: okay thanks for asking me
1: Mm. well i've been thinking about getting you on for ages because obviously we have these really interesting conversations and you do have the music connection in there as well um but it just seemed like the perfect time to get into some of the stuff that we love talking about now do you uh want to introduce yourself first of all
0: yeah hi um i'm anna anna middleton i'm based in bristol um I've been interested in nutrition and holistic health for, (laughs) it feels like forever, Um, but I've really seen how it's changed my life really in every way um, from the way that I think and the way that I feel. I think I remember having that connection or that understanding of what we put in our body and what we think, really how that can affect, yeah, the way we feel and really impact our life. So that kind of sparked off my interest And then, as you know, I sort of set up a raw chocolate and cake company, which I ran for like eight years. And um, they're just passionate about good food and thinking and feeling good, really. And more recently, I've been studying NLP and give workshops on stress and healthy well-being, bringing in a whole sort of combination of things with superfoods and breathing exercises um, and lots of lovely stuff Um, and the last thing the other thing I do is I work with some wonderful people um, sort of running retreats and workshops specifically for diabetes and sugar and that kind of thing so we sort of run retreats and workshops and that's been a whole fascinating journey working with a phenomenal naturopath and and chef um and that's really been about habit breaking as well so um so that's kind of what i do yeah all of
1: that so we met over 10 years ago now didn't we and we were both doing raw food stuff and i came and did quite a lot of stuff with you in bristol and your your rawsome company was pretty legendary you did make some of the best cakes in the raw food world
0: (laughs) oh it's Oh, thanks um yeah it was it was good fun yeah it was uh, the, the thing that always makes me laugh the most is how many people say is there a recipe oh and I think that was the key element to it is it was getting out of the way of my mind it was that pure creativity where you just kind of felt the food and tasted it and had music on in the background and just trusted it would turn out turn out well better than okay you know and half the time we couldn't remember everything that went into it um yeah it was a, it was a really good experience
1: we're both big fans of superfoods and you were a fan of putting very liberal doses of superfoods in your cakes i i still am <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i do i love them i absolutely love them yeah, maybe
1: we can talk i feel like you know there's so much we can talk about i don't know how much you'll fit in but maybe superfoods or something we can get into so i think i'd like to start well also can you just tell us your music connection as well because that's kind of interesting
0: um well my dad's a musician so he i was always brought up with music and remember as a child having you know random musicians around and um he's he's been a musician his whole life um he works for well he's big the biggest he's a session musician so he plays piano and I guess the biggest person he played for was Jeff Jeff Beck in the '70s. Um, actually, the the more I get the same, more I get to know my dad. The more I find out about my dad, the more I get surprised with which albums he's been on. But yeah, he's played his whole life with Jeff Beck and Kate Bush. She was on the Babushka, and he toured with Chris Rear and Snowy White from um, uh, Pink Floyd. Um, so it's been his whole life. I mean, <laughs> funny story I had actually last beginning of well, this year. I phoned up and, and I'm asked to speak to him. It's like, oh, he's not here. He hasn't worked for months and months. No, not oh, he's not here. He's currently in Russia. They're playing for Putin. He'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> it's like, his life's just, it is really rock and roll. And um, I feel like you bring a
1: bit of that rock and roll element to the Raw Foods. I feel like you bring a bit of that kind of crazy creativity
0: to your your work with the food that you do? Oh, I think actually the, my, um, naturopath friend, she said the same things with my, my partner. Now he's like, um, uh, he's a chef and, and we really connect with food and he brings in, he's like an accountant in the kitchen. He doesn't get stressed. He could have the same dish done immaculately exactly the same for 200 people and I'm in awe of that because I can't get through doing something the first time before I've already thought about how it's going to be different the second time um so they say like yeah it's like a jazz the daughter of a jazz musician in the kitchen yes yes yeah and then I saw and then funny enough I saw an interview with my dad in this magazine and he said something like he can't play the same track the same twice and i was like oh that's it that's yeah.
1: it yes. i heard an interview with a jazz musician recently um and she was angel bat Deweed, her name is and she was saying it's not if you play if you're not making up as you go along it's not jazz you have to be just yeah. like making up as you go along <laughs> that's the definition of what jazz is
0: yeah that is it that is that is that's the that's absolute creativity isn't it when you get out of that left brain mm-hmm. pot yeah. side and yeah. uh, it's just flowing and you yeah yeah so that I've definitely inherited that from my dad <laughs> uh,
1: well before we start with the questions and then maybe let's do a track first what do you want to play for us first
0: uh actually this is not a jazz track but this is one of my dance around the kitchen tracks um uh play it's a recent new track by um coffee it's called toast uh-huh. uh, just gets me in such a good mood when I want to dance around the kitchen and yeah create create jazz in the kitchen
1: Brilliant. So I think a good place to start is cellular health. When I do my talks and workshops, I always bring it back to cellular health. And I interviewed Emma on the last show, Emma Jones, and she also has come from the same starting point. And I know that's, you know, we have a lot in common in our approaches, you and I, but I think that's really one of the main foundational things that we both share is like really trying it bring it back to cellular health so maybe you could start by just telling us what what we're talking about when we say cellular health and what that means to you
0: yeah no that's a really good point because actually for years i started to run uh, raw food workshops and at some point something had to shift for me because i felt it wasn't enough if people came and learnt a recipe and, and went home again it's that we have to really understand why we're doing this and, and how it's affecting us. And there isn't you know, an exact diet for everybody, but what, what's really going on. Um, and so the thing that fascinated me, or, or it still fascinates me is this cellular health. When we're looking at the fact that we are made up of trillions of cells and each single cell is a living, breathing organism that thinks and feels and reproduces and eventually dies. So when we think and feel, it's not just that we have thinking cells in our head and emotional cells in our heart. Every single cell in our body is who we are, is who we are. So if there's a symptom on the outside, if there's something going on, it's a reflection of what's going on with all of those trillions and trillions of cells. And I think that concept is so beautiful because we know these kind of connections. For example, if somebody's had you know, pizza, chips, and bread, and wine, or something can feels groggy the next day, you can make that connection, or you've done lots of exercise, and you feel good, you can make that connection, but we haven't really been taught, or we don't really sort of make the connections of, oh, I'm feeling really sad, or isolated, uh, what are my cells telling me at a deep cellular level, why is my, ind- why are my individual cells feeling anxious, or isolated, Um so it's, starting to read those messages that our body is telling us and starting to understand what's going on at a sort of really deep cellular level. And in terms of it being really simple as well, things like hydration and good quality fats as being the absolute groundwork um, and really understanding how important what we put into our body is to what that's, what that's doing. It's sort of becoming who we are and it's becoming who we think and becoming how we feel so yeah so it's really important it's can you prefer-
1: just break that down a bit can you tell us a little bit about why hydration and healthy fats are so key in your understanding
0: well let's take yeah i just did a little video on this one actually let's take uh water uh, hydration as uh, an example we are predominantly made up of water i mean our cells are depending on which part of our body and depending on what age we are in our life ranging from 70 to 85 percent water and whether it's our brain or which part of our body um so on a physical level we know we need water for pretty much every function in the body to move things around our body we need it in the blood we need it in the lymph um yeah so we kind of really aware of physically how how we need it and how that could show up if we are possibly dehydrated so there's the obvious signs like maybe our skin or dry lips and things like that but there could be um, it, uh, actually could be things like constipation or diarrhea there could also be edema so swelling because the body will hold on to the water it does have rather than letting you let go of anymore so those are kind of all the sort of physical sort of areas like if we think about um energy, energy is another massive area that gets affected by hydration because certain functions in the body can't really work as efficiently. We can't process the food we put into our body and turn it into energy without without hydration. Um, and then also when we eat and we might store food in energy as um, well, we might convert the glucose into glycogen and store it in the in the liver. When we need to access that. We actually need to be hydrated enough in order to metabolize the glycogen back into glucose. So if we don't, if we're not hydrated enough, we can't access that energy that we already have stored in the body. So the natural thing we're going to do, because our blood sugar will be dropping and our energy will be low, is we'll reach outside for something to give us a lift, whether that's sugar or something that turns to energy quite quickly. But we're not going to be able to access the energy we've got, so it can affect our metabolism. It can mean we can put weight on, all that kind of stuff. Um, but then, on if you take it into like an emotional level, how do we think? Oh no, actually, we take it onto a mental level next. So if we think about how that's going to affect the way we think, well, we need we need water to take tryptophan over into the brain um, and we need the tryptophan to uh, for for serotonin and it's pretty much all connected to our feel-good neurotransmitters so if we're not getting enough fluid we're not able to make these feel-good hormones so naturally we're going to feel more depressed or flat or our mood's going to be lower so it's really going to affect um, that kind of element and also on on top of that I mean I think it's something like I don't know the exact percentage, but it might be 5% dehydrated in our whole body can lead to, you know, 30% uh, reduction in function of, of our brain function. Um, mm-hmm. So the way we, think we, you know, we get cla- cloudy and foggy and we can't think straight and our memory affected, all those kinds of things can be affected by poor hydration. Um, and then we take it to another level and look at emotionally if we go back to this idea of the cell and we think, what what do we think is going to happen at a deep cellular level if we're not hydrated? So if we are all of our cells and we are predominantly made up of water, if you think about that, you're not giving yourself the main thing that we need, Mm -hmm. what emotions could come from that? Um, It could be fear, it could be uh, being ignored it could be isolated and all of those emotions can generate from a lack of hydration so it's quite common i guess with the holistic sort of cellular health model that the emotions that you would recognize in somebody um, that might sort of lead you to question whether they're hydrated enough or not or whether water might be supportive first step would be fear and anxiety so they're really big indicators mm-hmm. and Which I think is just incredible within itself, that alone, to start noticing. It's about noticing those things and think, wonder what could be triggering this. I'm not saying it's as simple as that's the only answer, but just to notice, well, I'm really anxious. I wonder, am I doing anything that's causing dehydration and could not just water? What else am I doing that's causing dehydration? And wonder what difference, a curiosity to what difference would it make if I started to hydrate?
1: In Chinese medicine, the um, fear is stored in the kidneys, isn't it?
0: Yeah, no, that's right. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. So, uh, um, and yeah, but if, if just one last thing with, if we take that to that final step of um, sort of mental, physical, emotional, and then look at it in terms of, you could use the word spiritual or you could use the word connection, whatever sort of resonates the most, how connected are we? to our community how connected are we to what's around us uh, and to a bigger picture so the more dehydrated we are the more cut off our cells become At a deep cellular level those cells stop being able to see and appreciate that there are cells next to them because what the body will do if we're kind of chronically dehydrated we don't suddenly start shriveling up the body is incredibly complex, and one of the things it will do is try to hold that water in. So it'll make the cell membrane a lot thicker. So instead of it being like tissue paper, as an example, that you know nutrients can get in really easy and waste can get out really easily, it will start to build up and block up with the use of histamines and um, cholesterol. So that cell becomes darker and more more cut off. So we're, our thoughts and emotions are going to be sort of bouncing around on the inside of our cells, and we become much more. Um, self focused so when we become more fully hydrated we're much more likely to understand and appreciate that we're all connected and be much more outward looking and um, so it's quite phenomenal we're just talking about the subject of hydration mm. alone how vast you know what big impact that can have on mm. so many levels of our life
1: in in holistic health and certainly you know your work with diabetes is a really good example of this is that we're just looking aren't we at dietary and lifestyle measures that can make huge changes in people's health and well-being right there's so many things we can do just in terms of diet and lifestyle and for me personally i always say that i i i believe hydration is the number one thing out of everything that we can do would you agree or
0: is there other things that you think is take takes the number one spot um it's hard to say number one spot we um but hydration yes de- definitely i just i do i think fully for being fully hydrated but within that there's also um it's really important to look at the things that caused dehydration because we might think oh i do have to change those other things that are actually still causing dehydration but if somebody for example is eating a lot of fruits and vegetables that have got a lot of um, water in them that that's going to con- contribute as well um So I I think there's also that element of understanding what can deplete us. So things like stress and chemicals and and diet and sleep um, are all going to lead to dehydration as well. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's it's hard to pinpoint one exact thing because we're so complex and we're so complex. And we actually, I see this a lot with the diabetes retreats and this is really common when we run our... Well-being weekends and um, we have always prepared for the same thing to happen. People come in and they want an exact answer of exactly what to do and what's going to work and a plan to follow. And we always say to everyone, if the one thing that you learn and you walk away with after a weekend here, and it's not often what people want to hear is there is no one answer. You have to find exactly what works for you And we're not machines. It's not like I will put that potato into my body and my blood sugar is going to increase by this much. It doesn't work like that. Um, How much sleep we've had, how much movement we've had, what our thoughts are, are all going to affect our our blood sugar levels. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when you look at a book that somebody might have written, it's like, this is the answer to diabetes. I've had all of my clients and I'm a doctor and this has been successful. It's not that that isn't true. It's like, yes, that's been successful for that doctor and those clients. That still does not mean it's going to guarantee that that approach Mm -hmm. is going to work for us. And I think that's where the fear comes in, because it's all about reconnecting to our own um, power and reconnecting to our own intuition and trusting ourselves and finding what works for us that can be really overwhelming for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. The lady that I'm working with, Andrea Nakayama, she's, I mean, she's got a lot of favorite sayings that she comes out with again and again and again. But one of them is, it's a mistake to look for root cause because there's always more than one cause There's always root causes. And the, and the other one is that two people will have the same label of a disease, but they'll have different journeys to get them to that label. So you can have two, Women who are the same age who have the same diagnosis of, let's say, diabetes, but what's got them to that point can be very, very different.
0: Uh, Absolutely, absolutely. And I think within that, I feel there's a really important element just talking about the mind for, for a moment as well is how we approach that. Whether you know, often you hear people saying, Oh, I want to give up that, I know I need to stop doing that, oh, I know that's bad for me, and I've read this, and you know, we might have knowledge that. White refined sugar is not great for us and then beat ourselves up if that's something that we eat. So we see that a lot. So it's a case of reframing everything and thinking about what one thing we can add in rather than <laughs> all those things that we think are, are uh, not great. Um, because the path to health is yeah, completely different for every single person. Mm-hmm. Person.
1: Mm-hmm. And we could just stay on this one question for the whole hour, <laughs> I knew it was going to be like this, but let's play another tune, what do you want to play for us next?
0: Oh, um, let's go for a bit of funk, I've got a Shaka Khan track, it's called um, Sugar, um, yeah, I love this one as well, I dance around the kitchen with this one as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: Brilliant. All right. So let's dive back into cellular health again. So you mentioned before uh, that you thought the two key things were hydration and healthy fats and Barbara Wren, who has been a huge influence on everyone. I would say that's, that's interested in naturopathic and holistic lifestyle. She, when I interviewed her, she said she thought healthy fats, lack of healthy fats in people's diets was the number one health issue um in the west today so tell us tell us about that tell us why you think healthy fats is so key
0: yeah i i do love barbara Wren. i think she's amazing i love her books and i'm very privileged to have met her as well um again it's if we look back at the sort of cellular model and look at physical uh mental emotional all of this whole sort of process of of understanding um on a physical level crikey we need fats I mean they're essential we can't so that kind of gives it away a little bit we can't make them in the body we need to put them in the body and there's a difference i mean in a really simplistic terms there's omega like there's our omegas omega omega 3 6 and 9 and it's the omega 3 specifically um it's the balance of omega 3 and 6 and our diet has become predominantly omega 6 or say the western diet and we're lacking in in omega-3 so it's a part of it's partly increasing our omega 3s and reducing our omega 6s which is you know uh, not it's not all omega 6s actually but you know the normal stuff the processed stuff and, mm. and all of that but the power of the omega 3s yet yeah, on a physical level i mean they help make up our, our prostaglandins and they affect our hormones they can affect everything that's to do with hormone. It can be our the way we eat, um, our, our um, monthly cycle, uh, the way we think as well. Our brain function with, with fats is incredible. I mean, there's so much research done with with how um, our, what our attention spans like, our memories like. I mean, this research is solid I and mean, it's been going on for, for years. Um, the connection between uh, dyslexia and our, just our mental sort of function with uh, increasing our omega-3s. Um, and on an emotional level as well, it's the same as the fat. So if we come down to, if we think about our cellular an individual cell, the cell membrane is made up of 50% essential fatty acids. So what would happen if we're not eating those essential fats? I mean, the cell membrane doesn't suddenly disintegrate. The body will do what it can to patch up, you know, in so non really technical terms here, but you know, the sort of patching up of the cell membrane. If we don't have enough omega 3 to make that cell membrane lovely and fluid, which helps all the nutrition get into the center of the cell, then what happens is we start to make cholesterol to, you know, pad it up so the the cells start to get um, a bit thicker and denser and it's harder to get the light and the nutrition into the center of the cell. So again, um, the fats also really help with connection and communication. So it's how we sort of communicate uh, from one cell to the next. Um, it's really, I mean, I really think that cells, sorry, I'll say that again. I really think that fat is how we um, communicate and express our feelings. Mm-hmm. So. One of the really lovely phrases I had from a nutrition user years ago was, "Is how we kind of digest emotions." If you think about mm-hmm. a child who might be doing anger really well, and then not that long later they're doing happiness or playfulness really well, they've been able to fluidly move through those emotions, and they haven't got stuck on. Uh, I won't even call it a negative one. It's just. An emotion they're experiencing it at a certain time it happens to be anger or something in that moment but they're able to digest and move through it and essential fats are an essential and integral part of that transition so it's a really a really big connection with how we feel and what our emotions are and how stuck we are in our lives um so again they're another it's another phenomenal sort of connection um and that works again on a on a on a Say, spiritual or connectivity um, element of how connected we are to ourselves, how stuck we are in an emotion, how able we are to move through that um, effortlessly. It's not about not doing any particular emotion, Um, it's not about being happy all the time, Mm -hmm. it's about going, I'm currently doing depression, or I'm currently sad, or I'm currently whatever it is, and having the ability and the support system um, in our body to be able to move through that Mm -hmm. so it's an extra Mm -hmm. supportive tool and and that concept really for me was quite life-changing when I started studying cellular nutrition just coming back to this real groundwork of um, hydration and essential fats in the diet and you think wow these two things alone are incredibly important Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. brilliant brilliant um I think let's give people a breather again because there's so much information. I hope that they're, they're really loving it because I find it so fascinating. But let's play another tune.
0: What do you want to play next? Oh, well, let me shake it up a bit. I wouldn't, I shouldn't really say this, but I wouldn't normally pick an Ed Sheeran track. But um, I, this one that I've sent to you is um, it's a drum and bass version. And I, again, I, this helped me get out of a flat period a few years ago and um, it went to a Zimba class and. Started playing this general Levy version and mm-hmm. it just gets me dancing again, so I would love to play that. Brilliant!
1: Sounds it's called very
0: Bristol, yeah. it sounds very Bristol. It is really Bristol, yeah, it's, like, it's, got, it's the shape of you, it's, Ed Sheeran, it's the shape of you, but it's slightly remixed. Yeah, it is really Bristol.
1: Brilliant! So, what I find so interesting about the way you think, Anna, is the, how you really interrelate physical health, mental health, and emotional health. And this is what I think is so, so key about, you know, the understanding that we share about health is that you can't separate out these things. So maybe let's get into that a little bit. And maybe let's just start with gut health. I mean, gut health is something that people are pretty familiar with nowadays. But can you explain to us, in your words, why a healthy gut has so much effect on our mental and emotional state?
0: okay where to start with that Mm -hmm. well uh, there's so much stuff that affects our gut in terms of stress and diet and i don't think we've really fully understood the power of our of our gut i mean if we think about it i remember a yoga teacher once saying this is the part where we get our life force from our mother before we're born this is our ultimate communication through the umbilical cord so there's a lot there in terms of communication um, so on on um one of the things i remember learning which i think is fascinating is how the connection between our gut and our mind in terms of what's called the vagus nerve and i'm sure most people are familiar with this but it's a nerve that runs from our brain to every single organ in the body it's like our body's in, <laughs> super highway internet connection you know and it runs all the way through the body checking in with all the organs But the organ where there's the most communication on this vagus nerve going back to the brain is through the intestines, through the gut. It's like 90 or 95% of this information on this nerve is from the gut. So there's constant messages going from the gut to the mind, from the brain to the gut. It's it's, it's so fascinating. Um, We make a lot of our serotonin in our gut. So our feel-good hormones and neurotransmitters are made in the gut. Um, But... What I'm also really fascinated with is this, uh, our microbiome, so the level of bacteria that we have in our, in our gut and how that affects our behavior and the way we think. I mean, to think of it like this, I think it's quite incredible, um, is when we have a craving, let's say we reach for something, let's say somebody's sitting here thinking, I want to have, oh, I really want um, some biscuits or some cake or some alcohol or something that's quite sugar heavy. Yeah. How how do we know that that's, um, how do we know that that's us thinking yeah. that? Yeah. Or how do we know it's not the bacteria in our gut that's thinking that? Which sounds a little bit way out, but there's like 10 times more bacteria inside our body than, inside our intestinal tract than human cells, you know, so... So these bacteria, if you think about everything's core drive is for survival. If we understand that every sort of living organism wants to survive. So if we have bacteria inside our gut, its primary function is to survive. And if some of the unhealthier bacteria in our body survives off sugar, well, it's going to do its very best to make sure that you eat sugar. So it will send messages via the nervous system from the gut to the brain to say, Feed me sugar. I want sugar, and then you eat sugar, and it keeps those bacteria um, alive and happy and reproducing. And that's that's kind of crazy that we might not even realise that we're acting out that behaviour um, to feed these organisms in our in our gut. Um, so that alone, I think, is mm. kind of blows blows my mind a little bit. Um, but yeah, good. But if we start to feed the health, and, and sorry, going back to that for a moment is if we're in a if we're in a phase of craving something sometimes we can't comprehend that somebody else might not have this experience so so if we're having a craving for sugar often um we think that that's totally everyone's having the same experience because it's so real for us and why wouldn't everyone want to crave um cake you know somebody might say to you oh wow you know what it's like when you crave bread it's so crunchy and it's come out fresh out the oven and that's because that (laughs) Really does it for somebody, and they're like, You know what that craving's like? Everyone has that craving, and it tastes so good. And you know, freshly homemade cake tastes so good. And, and to explain to people that actually, when you start changing your microbiome, your cravings completely change, you're completely rebalanced. And um, it's not that you don't, you're putting any effort into not having that food anymore, it's just you start craving completely different things because you're feeding different communities of bacteria in your gut health you might go like, oh i really want i really want a green juice i really want this because your body is giving you those signals and you're starting to listen to those signals and that takes that takes time and it's like i said before you, you don't focus on what you're letting go of you focus on adding one new thing uh, focus on the positive and then before you know it the cravings of change you're like yeah I really I really fancy seaweed today which sounds crazy to some people mm-hmm. I know that mm-hmm. but it happens you know it happens the scientific term is gastro
1: right so this is how the gut and the brain and the immune system are all working in conjunction let's let's go into yeah. immunity a bit so tell us why gut health is so important for immunity it's so relevant right now
0: well if we if we sort of take it back a step maybe and maybe we look at uh, stress and really understanding what happens to the body in stress in terms of immunity and digestion as well as part of that i think often people might think that they're not stressed but understanding that stress can happen in different areas it can happen if we have a you know physical stress like we've had surgery or we've had an accident or there can be nutritional stress with what we're putting in the body or what we're not putting in the body. And then there's also emotional stress of uh, the way that we're thinking and the way that we're feeling. But all of those things, no matter which kind of stress it is, will have the same kind of reaction on the body. They still trigger the amygdala, the- very ancient part of our brain which is responsible for all of our well it's basically responsible for our safety and our well-being so it's always doing a really good job but also lucky i always think when people are stressed the first thing to think is how amazing that this part of my brain is working mm-hmm. super <laughs> It's doing a really good job because I'm doing anxiety really well right now. So this part of my brain is super efficient. I'm so grateful that this part of my brain is like, is is working. Yeah, absolutely. I think of it like, like I say this to some of my clients, actually, like a meerkat. You think about the meerkats that you've always got one or two meerkats up on high alert, looking out for for the whole pack. And they're kind of you're like anticipating something that hasn't happened yet. What's around that corner? What's about to happen? And and if we let the amygdala, if we let the amygdala run the show, then the chances we could stay in a permanent state of internal stress, and we might not even be aware of it because it might be become be ha- um, it might be how we sort of uh, our behavior yeah. develops and who we become is that that becomes very natural for us. um So it's a case of. Well, if we look at what happens when the amygdala perceives a threat to our our survival, it will immediately send a message to our hypothalamus in our brain, which is the control center of the whole brain. And it will send out messages through the whole body. It'll be like, quick, we're in danger. We're in danger and we need to prepare for this danger. So we know the kind of things that happen with the stress response. Immediately we get a burst of um sugar you know best uh, adrenaline and we we it, the whole body the physiology of our entire body changes so we don't need to be able to digest that meal if we're fighting for our lives we don't need to you know in terms of our immune system we don't need to be fighting off that flu we don't need to be fighting off that virus if we're in danger so we've got you know a saber-toothed tiger changing, chasing us That's more important than whether this cut that we've got is going to heal. Um, So really, um, if we stay in a perpetual state of stress, we're really weakening our immune system and our digestive system. So we constantly nowadays getting triggered and we're drip feeding our body with lots of small stresses. I I remember reading something that was so fascinating and I couldn't quite believe it, that when we have a stress response, those stress hormones only actually stay in our body for 90 seconds, which I think is like crazy because like when was the last time anyone did stress for 90 seconds? Mm -hmm. I mean, it just doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. So what we do with humans, like if you imagine, um, I don't know, let's say a gazelle is being chased by uh, a lion or something and it gets away and it's not lunch that day so this gazelle is really happy and what an animal would do is it will shake its body it will shake out the stress from its body and then it will go back to its herd it doesn't then spend the whole of the rest of the day thinking you won't believe it this morning i was chased by a lion you know like (laughs) serious what we do as humans is we keep going over the story going over the story um so we might be like you won't believe what happened and you're like oh when did that happen and somebody might say it's five years ago and you're like wow so the more we're worried about something that's already happened or the worrying about something which hasn't happened we're basically you know that meerkat is on high alert that part of our brain amygdala is on high alert and it's saying oh yeah, but we know that that happened. In our memory, that happened. So it's bound to happen again. So we're going to prepare for that based on the memories we've got. And we're going to anticipate the future based on all this kind of information that we're gathering. Although we are filtering it and deleting it, we're translating it into some sort of fear for our survival. Mm-hmm. So when we understand... The, the physiological effect that that's having we start to understand how important it is not to let our lives be run by the amygdala and 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 that can show up in a lot of different ways I mean long-term effect if we're in a long-term state of stress the body then has to keep us sustained in that state so it will re- um, produce and release cortisol well, there's lots of, well it's a bit more complex than that but we'll have long-term impact of having high cortisol levels in the body and being in a stress state. So we'll have a high blood sugar that can lead to diabetes. We can have um, high blood pressure. We can have um, obesity and heart disease and cancers. And all these things can happen as a result of staying in the stress response. Um, So, yeah, we have this, this, we actually have what's called these natural sort of self- repair mechanisms. So when we start to activate the parasympathetic nervous system, the relaxation response, all these stress hormones go away and the body releases our healing hormones, such as our oxytocin, our dopamine, our nitric oxide, and all these endorphins in the body. And these are all the hormones that help heal the body. So our natural self-healing mechanisms um, they only operate when the body is in a state of rest so we can't um we can't we can't do all of that kind of stuff while we're stressed we can't help heal the body in any way so it's so paramount paramount to spend time developing these these tools um whatever they are for us it could be stepping into our creativity it could be dancing it could be singing it could be um Anything that gets us out of our mind and into our body is going to really help switch off that stress response Mm -hmm. and help our immune system start running efficiently again, our digestive system start running efficiently again. So, yeah, there's absolutely um, interconnected between our stress response, our immunity and our digestive health.
1: And this is why currently I've been so ramping up the positivity and really like staying in that in that attitude because it's so essential for health right is to have that positive outlook
0: yes yeah I mean as you know I've worked on a health retreat for the last eight years and we often have people come in and we can get really we have what we call this like mechanical mindset so we start to really bring break things down and go, i've got this particular thing that's wrong and just looking at exactly what you said earlier the source of that and and what can i do to fix that and when and it's a case of just going bigger just just getting more sort of general and thinking what well, what else could i do That's nothing to do with that specific physical thing it might not be to do with say the immune system or the digestive system what can i do to get myself in that relaxation state um and it's not actually always about relaxing um I was sort of just making me think about the heart math uh stuff that you and i know we've talked about before it's to get into this level of what's called coherence where our heart energy and our mind mind is coherent so they're listening to each other to everyone that's listening it's not a case of switching off and and meditating and becoming really zen and inactive that's not what we're aiming for we're aiming for a really calm alertness so there's a real difference if people think i've not got time to switch off from that or do that it can just it can be a case of a really simple breathing exercise which we can do as we are you know walking around or doing other things it's not even a case of we have to take time out to do this it's just understanding that when we start to focus on our heart energy and start to focus on our breathing that will then send messages to our brain the same hippocampus the hypothalamus rather sorry which will then send out different messages to switch off the stress stress response to our whole body so this is the real beauty of this is this is the sort of guiding path that we can take these are the tools we can use focusing on the breath and getting this lovely coherence between our heart and our mind
1: Mm. I want to get into that a bit deeper and I want to get into gratitude actually next but um, uh, (laughs) uh, let's play another tune what do you want
0: to play for us now I'll tell you what you could play. This a, is a slightly different song. This is um, Sarah Jane Morris, and she's doing a cover of a John Martin song, and it's called I Don't Want to Know About Evil. And uh, I met Sarah Jane a few times, and I really love John Martin. So I think this is a really powerful song about, yeah, want to focus on love, not evil. So I thought we would play that song. Yep. know about evil. wanna know about love i don't wanna know one thing about evil.
1: okay well there's so many directions we could take it in and so many um wormholes to explore in everything you're saying i hope i hope yeah people are finding it so richly fascinating as i do i just think the human body's so incredible and i you know as i keep saying we're on a very similar journey and the more i learn the more my mind is blown right <laughs>
0: um, yeah me too me too i think it's fascinating um but the I, way it works yeah, yeah i want to go um
1: actually to gratitude it wasn't um one of the things I had on my list when I was thinking about things we should talk about but as we're talking now I'm thinking this is another thing that we share that comes up a lot in our conversations and I think actually it really in the same way that hydration and healthy fats really underpins everything gratitude as well like really for me is like a foundational underpinning of mental and emotional health so Yes. Into that and and i want to talk about your nlp we are running out of time i want to talk about your nlp as well but how how you yeah. know, we can really cultivate positive mindsets and what a big impact they can have on our health. so yeah, let's yeah. tell us about how you practice gratitude and how you've impacted your life and also the people you work with like how you see it impacting other people's lives to have a gratitude practice
0: well, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I was actually just going to take I'm a grateful, step back. Are you grateful for that question? <laughs> yeah, I'm so grateful for that question. I am really. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, I just take a step back actually because I uh, worked with a few people on Retreat, and one of the things I'm really aware of is if we're in a state where gratitude feels really unobtainable, um, it can be really un helpful if we're maybe in a a darker space and a deflated space to step into gratitude it might be a bit feel a little bit far away might feel like we haven't got anything to be grateful for even if somebody says just find the smallest things so uh, there's a little process that I take people on on retreat and this is when we do talk about the heart math but when we're leading up to the talking about the heart math and understanding how powerful these positive feelings are um, to generate in our heart, because they really do affect us on a physiological level as well. Um, it's This is connected to the NLP and everything like that, but it's really important about changing our state. So if we're sitting there feeling, whatever it is we're feeling, whether it is depressed or angry or um, irritated or anything else, to go from that into feeling gratitude might just take a couple of steps. So um, I always encourage people to move first, to shake the body, like we said with that animal, to kind of shake it out, do some breath work, and I get everybody stood up and we do what's something that's called it's just something that's called buttock slapping i just make everyone know it's not anyone else's it's just your own but you kind of stand up and shake shake your booty really because we hold a lot of tension and just by doing that shaking our whole body we're noticing we're really shifting the energy um and then from that state to go on a little say mind mindfulness exercise and it can only take it only needs to take a minute or two of going through our senses and noticing the so noticing the furthest distant noise that we can hear what's the furthest sound we can hear right now in right in this moment and all the sounds we can hear outside the room we're in and then bringing it closer can I hear the sound of my own breath and noticing being sat on the chair or wherever you're stood and your feet against the ground so we're slowly taking our mind away from that really stressed state and slowly bringing it into a state of noticing and then even coming into a state of putting our hands on our heart and noticing it's beating and it's working and it's you know without us having to do anything it's phenomenal it's constantly beating and pumping blood around our body and to have a sense of gratitude for that and if that's too much just even appreciating the fact our body is working and starting where we're at from a level of maybe appreciation and then if it's available to us to step into gratitude and I've found that that's small process which only takes a few minutes can be incredibly powerful mm. because if we're in negativity or frustration and someone says think about all the things you've got to be grateful for um, it doesn't go down too well um however this process of building up to this is gratitude and appreciation for everything all the abundance we have it changes the frequency of our heart it changes yeah everything everything in our body and um puts a smile on our face and yeah it just changes our life really so how do
1: you how do you employ it personally how do you that's what we're coming to thank you yeah yeah (laughs) i want to talk about you know because we both share this thing of really being able to always you know, observe our patterns and redirect ourselves into the positive. And that's, I think, some of our most fascinating conversations when we're being like, oh, look, I saw I was doing this self-sabotaging thing or self-destructive thing. And then I corrected it into this and I feel so much better.
0: exactly and I think that's the key it's like learning about meditation and people think you're going to meditate and sit there and not think for half an hour or whatever it is and you're like no that's not that's not what it's about it's about watching isn't it it's about how quickly we can notice the story that we've attached to in our mind Mm -hmm. so if something comes up and we're suddenly involved in this story which might be about the past or the future and it's anxious and it's negative and having an awareness that that is going to affect us physiologically how long do we because it's a choice how long do we choose to stay in that story and how do we navigate our way out because the mind will always work and that amygdala part of our brain is always going to try and take us back in there so I'm just checking we're safe I'm like okay I'm really grateful you're just checking I'm safe thanks but um I'm gonna choose this is the dialogue I have in my mind um To recognise when those things come up and think what would be more useful right now? What's more useful? Um, And I I try to make it a practice now uh, every morning when I wake up. I think sometimes it can be quite hard for people or challenging for people to find 10 minutes in the day to meditate. So a question I often ask is if you wake up in the morning, are you waking up thinking of your action list and the things you need to do and getting out of bed and getting straight on with it? um because I used to do that you know and now I feel that the first thing in the morning for me is sacred and how I choose to start my day will affect the whole of my day and so for me personally when I wake up there's a lot of times I might wake up and I might have had a nightmare or a dream that was disruptive or I feel like I didn't have a thoroughly great sleep so I notice that and I think okay I don't want to start my day like this i'm going to do a yoga nidra for 10 minutes or um and that's for anyone who hasn't experienced a yoga nidra you can you just kind of go through your body or you'll be able to explain this as well but you go through your body and so you switch off and relax each part of your body and you come eventually to your breathing and you finish with your heart and focus on everything you've got to be grateful for. And then you try to take that energy forward through the rest of your day. And I can really tell a difference the days I've started doing that and the days I haven't started doing that. So that is always how I start my day. I try to do that wherever I am, wherever I am. Um, and if I noticed throughout during a day that stress has started to creep in, I now know that that is an absolutely imp- Um, I now know that that's an indicator for me to put tools down and stop what I'm doing and go and take 10 minutes to meditate or do a breathing exercise. And I remember years ago thinking, I can't stop. I've got too much to do. (laughs) I haven't got 10 minutes. That's ridiculous. And you know, that's so unhealthy. And that's how I, that's, that is how I operated. And now recognizing those feelings in the body so it's like how do you as an individual do whatever it is you're doing whether that's anxiety or stress or whatever and starting to recognize and notice that in the body oh look there it is that's a familiar feeling right okay i can recognize it notice it what am i going to choose to do about it you know this work is like continuous it never stops it never stops it is for the rest of our lives to make choices to step into Healthier ways of being, mm-hmm. um, you know. It might. Let's talk just, about what happens when you do that, because let's talk about
1: yeah, like the changes that you observe in terms of what you attract in.
0: Uh, okay, so we change our um, well. The things I've noticed, so I'll give you an example. of how I do things. So let's say one of the one of the things I learned was. One of the things I learned about myself was that I would write um, articles or have deadlines and I'd I'd do it all all really stressfully and I'd notice it like um, one of my coping mechanisms would be getting, getting up and going to the fridge and scanning the fridge and thinking what's in here and I think how did I get here, how did I get to the fridge, what am I doing, it's like okay I'm distracting myself, I want to use food as a coping mechanism so I think it's asking yourself what happens those steps before so I sort of delve into that and think okay what was I thinking when I was trying to write this article and I had a deadline coming up I was thinking oh okay I don't have enough time I can't get it all done I don't know what I'm talking about I'm not good enough whatever thoughts it was that was coming up and I think well what's more useful what is it I really want to head towards and what's my destination what would be my perfect outcome be like oh well to be able to sit here and really enjoy doing this and do it relaxed and and have fun with it so I started to reframe it all and think I've got all the time in the world and Mm. I'd love doing this and I I am there's loads I know and there's loads I can share Mm. and so that having those thoughts and those feelings completely changed the whole way that I'd even do work so I wasn't putting it off and becoming this big burden it would be like yay this is really exciting let's see what I can manage to achieve in this moment um and then what also in that process what I noticed happened was like if I did still end up at the fridge scanning I'd be like oh here I am again there was a technique that I'd use which would it's so simple it's like a Mel Robbins technique and you just count backwards from five four three two one and you have a really clear vision of your destination so you think and your language that you use like actually i'm really grateful that i've got the opportunity to write this isn't you know all that kind of stuff and then before long what i noticed happened was i didn't even have to move away from the desk you know the feeling would come up i go oh i recognize that and then it would go down again like a small a wave you know it might start like a tsunami the first few times you do this and then after a while it's like a little gentle ripple and you're like oh yeah there's that familiar one i know that and um and then you kind of get also it
1: changes the type of jobs you attract in right and the amount of jobs and it changes what you what you start to manifest in your life
0: absolutely because there is this phenomenal interplay of our mind and our language and how it affects our body and our behavior i mean that's the crux of what the the nlp is it's the the, the nlp is, is the end is the neurons it's our physiology so our, our whole physiology the language is our verbal and our non-verbal communication, and the programming is our behaviour. So yeah, it, we we have the potential in our body of trillions of different neural network connections. So the process of change really is we get this we get this stimulus that comes in, and so that's information from. Everything we see, everything we hear, it comes into our brain and we have to filter it. So we, we can't take all of that in. We have to delete a lot of it and distort a lot of it. And then we have a response internally and we have an outcome or a, um, a result, uh, you know, that comes in from the stimulus and our response. So the process really of change is to know we still have that stimulus going in and then we have a new response. So it's working towards having a new response to get a different outcome so yes it could be something like somebody feels courageous to go and apply for a job that they wouldn't have done or you know, all those things um, to go and speak to the person that you might not have wanted to speak to or to believe that you're worthy of something greater than you've experienced to date so these thoughts and feelings and emotions yes they change our body they change our behavior and yeah affect who we meet Uh, what we attract in what we accept in our lives um it's fascinating it's Mm. really fascinating Mm.
1: let's let's get deeper into that as our last question but um let's play another track what who have you got lined up for us next
0: yeah this last track is um alice coltrane i was listening to it recently and it just blew me away how powerful her energy is we often most people know john coltrane and his wife was phenomenal. Some of her music, so I, and I got really strong connection with anyone playing the piano. So uh, yeah, this is a really beautiful, beautiful track.
1: Well, yeah, I'm a huge Alice Cochrane fan. She's yeah, one of my favourites. For doing yoga to, meditating too I love to
0: play her. Yeah, really special, really, yeah. really special.
1: Um, yeah. So, yeah, we started on NLP, so let's just can you give us a beginner's guide to NLP. What is it, and how are you using it?
0: Uh, well, this is yeah, it's been new in my life for the last two or three years. Um, a beginner's guide yeah well like I sort of said earlier the nlp stands for our neurons which is our sort of physiology our language and that is both verbal and non-verbal and um the programming which means our our behavior and you see actually only uh something like six or seven percent of what we communicate is in our is in our words a lot of the language is it's like in the tone in our in our body language and that's how we communicate. Um, So the communication model, yeah, like I said, we, we take in external information through our senses and we delete a lot of it and we distort a lot of it and we generalize a lot of it. We have to because otherwise we're going to psychosis we can't take all that information into our brain so we delete and distort and generalize based on our beliefs and our values and our memories so i can um i'll sort of go through a couple of those in a little bit more detail we have these what we call these sort of filters of communication and the first thing is what we would call a, a meta program and it's the way we kind of handle information so it's and our values are revealed in our patterns, so what we say and do indicates you know, really what our, our values are. And it can help us to understand people's actions and people's behaviour, so it really gives us a tool for sort of connection and communication and understanding. Um, our values, yeah, this is how we decide what's important, so we filter a lot of information based on that. Um, And those values may change within context, so it might change if we're in a, you know, we might have one value within a relationship or one value in the work Mm -hmm. kind of um, area, so they're not sort of uh, the same everywhere. And our beliefs, I mean, this is what I find so fascinating as well. These are sort of general, they're real generalizations about how the world is, Um, it's what we think, what we think that stops us to do, what we think that kind of enables us to do what we're doing or stops us doing what we're doing. So our, our beliefs are, we're so, so connected to those and um, the, the coaching and NLP can explore, can explore them with curiosity to think, you know, actually, where does this belief come from? And the question really is, is it useful? I mean, if, it's, if somebody's happy and vibrant, then that's great. But if it's at a point where they want change, then this might be an area that you kind of um, explore. Uh, and, the, and the sort of the other kind of filters are things like memories, because most of our behaviour right now is a reaction to a past experience that we've created um, a memory and we're like, oh, yeah, I remember what that is. So I'll do that again. Um which is something that Joe Dispenza talks a lot about, actually, in his um, in his work. You know, a lot of the way that we behave is based on our past. Um, and one of the interesting things, they've got something with an with, um, NLP, which is all these elements that are called presuppositions. And they really help us to, um, we use them kind of as a groundwork to understand how, um, how to use this sort of coaching model we understand for example that our memories and our imagination use the same neural transmit yeah, new neural pathways mm-hmm. the same neural pathways mm-hmm. so that's really fascinating so instead of always just repeating what we've done in the past it's that case of why don't we step into allow ourselves to imagine a possible future because mm. it's going to sort of trigger the same neural pathways in the brain so there is i mean that's fascinating there's yeah these,
1: how affirmations work right
0: yes yes they really do um but it's bringing that into not just being a thought it also being a feeling so bringing that into a body experience um and i give you i guess i'll give you an example if um you're imagining somebody sat there let's say uh we stereotype or generalize right now about maybe how somebody might do depression what do we think somebody's tone of voice might be like how do you think their head might be hung how do we think we might walk um so if you're sat there lying on the sofa feeling depressed and i can sort of speak from experience of having this this kind of state to sit there and have positive affirmations it's it's not always just enough to do that so to get into our physical state and like i said earlier movement and getting out of our mind and into our body uh, whatever that is for us whether it's walking or being in nature or dancing um, and thinking what does somebody who is living that affirmation that we're trying to embed what does that look like how does that feel and you start to pad it out a little bit so it's becomes more than An affirmation, it's like, okay, so this future me, I'm confident and I believe in myself and I know I've got value and I'm whatever it is that we are telling ourselves within that. And then you kind of visualize that version of you. You just kind of even sit for a few moments and think of that version of you ahead of you and like, what am I wearing? How am I standing? How am I feeling? What are people saying to me? And you start to build up that picture so you're creating evidence that your brain then starts to search for because your brain starts to look for this evidence it's like oh yeah that is true that is true and it starts to you start to create a new neural transmitter in the brain Mm. which i just think is incredible this is how you manifest this is how we manifest is it, uh start with the affirmation and pad it out with uh, the colour and the sight and the sound and you take a step towards that and f- bring it into the body and feel it. Um, it's an incredibly powerful process and experience.
1: Amazing. And I could really, I know I've said this after every question, but I could really... <laughs> talk to you all day and sometimes we do talk all day right um yeah. this radio show we've got, to stop. we've got time for one more track what do you want to end on
0: um oh let's end on um a dub effects track i um it makes me laugh i remember when he was in bristol and he used to do um he used to be uh, um, he, used to, he used to be playing and he'd hand out his CD and it would have his mobile number on it saying, I also do parties. And now he's got millions and millions of followers all around the world and it's awesome to see. So, mm. yeah, this is... um not you that introduced me to him, actually. Oh, yeah, it's a long time ago now, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, it was when he was busking all those years ago. Uh, yeah, this one is called Made It and I I just love this. I love it. If anyone gets a chance, watch the watch the video on okay. YouTube. It's He's good. He's really good. Yeah. music?
1: Anna, thank you so much for joining us today. Do you want to just tell us where we can find you and what you're up to and where we can follow you? All that good stuff.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Kate. Uh, Thanks for being here.
1: Are you grateful grateful for me?
0: I'm grateful for you. (laughs) I'm grateful for you, always. (laughs) I'm grateful I can phone you at midnight and know you're in Bali and it's just hilarious. Yes, I am grateful, very grateful. I uh, yeah so my website is slightly static at the moment but it's um there's there's recipes on there and bits and pieces it's annamiddleton.com I've got all the links to my facebook page and my instagram I'm currently doing a crazy little project which is 30 days of videos, which I'm posting on YouTube and on Facebook. Just small, bite-sized pieces. It's really for me to learn about YouTube editing, um, and hopefully also share some nuggets of information as well. So you'll find me there, and, and I've got a newsletter. And you can just sign up. Sorry, to YouTube. It's Anna Middleton. It's Anna. Anna Middleton. My YouTube and my instagram is Anna Middleton and my Facebook page is Anna Middleton and Rawson and, and what about so diabetic. have you got anything coming up with them? Diabetes we haven't got any physical retreats coming up but the sh- uh, there's also a lot of information for anyone who knows anyone with diabetes specifically type 2 there is actually a lot of information on the website there is a link to it from my website on the home page but the diabetic website is mm-hmm. um, dot uk. so Diabetes, and on there, there is, there are a few simple um, getting started points looking at movement and sleep and diet, so it's a really good place to start with, Um, yeah, loads of information on there as well
1: great thank you so much i am so grateful for you and i just love the way you just bring everything together like every yeah every aspect of health you bring it all together in a really beautiful way so yeah thank you so much for
0: sharing with us today well, we didn't even talk about superfoods this time
1: <laughs> i knew we wouldn't. wouldn't
0: yeah thank you kate thanks again take care